Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Good afternoon, lovely people of Melbourne and all around the world. It's Joy 94.9 and you're listening to Technogaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, technology, games, things that go beep and ping. Uh, I'm Raina. Joining me today is Michael. Hi there. And we are not missing our friend Mark. Not at all. No. No, <laughs> but I'm going to be driving the bus a little bit today because <laughs> Mark's got to be with sore throat. I'm sorry if I sound a bit nasally today, or a bit rusty, perhaps. A bit, bit husky. I was, I was, Sultry. I was told off for not having a very good story as to why my why my voice is so, uh, so I, don't, I don't know. It's very, uh, pour yourself a glass of wine and jump in the bath. It's, it's just not a special <laughs> reason at all. It's just because I've got a cold, nothing, I've not been shouting any names. Oh, no, no concerts, nothing like that. No, no. Dang. Um, today... Lots and lots of news has been happening, obviously, this week. Uh, the budget, what it means for technology, research, science, all these different parts of the industry, the NBN. Insert groan here. Groan. Oh, do, it, do that again with your husky cold voice. Groan. <laughs> Man, oh. we're just going to be dining out on this all day. Um, <laughs> now, particularly, we'll be talking about how we can expect this to affect the gaming industry. So we'll be catching up with Luke Miller, indie game developer of Note, and he's been a guest on our show in the past. So definitely look forward to that. Uh, we'll be talking about wearable technology, what's happening in that sort of space there. Uh, the industry is getting a little bit more excited or not, if you're a, f- a bit of a Nike fan. Um, news in drones, spy planes, all things spooky and security related and stuff. Bit of tinfoil action. Don't look up. Don't look up. A new Bitcoin economy experiment at uh, MIT in the United States. And, of course, all the latest gadget rumours, new phones, gadgets, things Mm. that you carry around in your pocket and fondle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought I was the one for innuendo, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. is up there. That's... Sorry. Sorry, you put me in charge of the microphone. Um... (laughs) Now, if you do want to get in touch with us anytime throughout the show, or in fact, uh, any other sort of show on Joy, you can do that by sending an SMS to 0427 Joy 949. You can send an email on air at joy.org.au, or you can drop us a line at 1300 Joy 949, the old fashioned way on the telephone, where Mushin will be ready and willing to take your call. Mm. And uh, you can do all those things through the smartphone app. Yeah, the smartphone app's really good for that. It is super good for that. Fills out your member name, member number. That's right. So do get in touch. Let us know what you think of uh, crass jokes or Mark's husky bathtub voice (laughs) or any of those sorts of things. Now, we also promised last week that we would give a shout-out to our new Facebook friends. And it does prove that begging works. It does prove that begging works because we have some hellos to say to Vicky M, John E, Brett S, Danny a W, Lily PH, Dylan E, Jafar AS, Christian W. Thank you so much for clicking the big like button on our Facebook page. We love likes. We do love likes. We like love and we love likes. And you can find us on Facebook if you just search for us Technogaze. T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E, mm-hmm. which just happens to be our Twitter handle as well. Yep. Mm. So get in touch. Onwards. Onwards and upwards. What's first on the on the list, on the agenda? So there's a little uh, little bit of a security-related uh, news for us today. What do you think, Michael? Yes. Something about 
Heartbleed. Heartbleed. So we've talked about Heartbleed a lot on this show and it is that that vulnerability that made it uh, very difficult to keep your details secure if you were using an SSL server. So, um, you know, when you see the little lock in your... In your browser, that's uh, that's what you're doing. You're using SSL. Um, now, there was a bit of a vulnerability in that announced in April 7, and uh, many uh, of these web servers had to revoke the certificates. But, Michael, what happened? Well, a lot of people did the right thing and applied for a new certificate. Mm-hmm. But when you apply for a certificate, you're meant to give your private key. Mm. And people reuse the same private key on the new certificate. You're oh. kidding. Which meant, well, if I was vulnerable before, I'm still vulnerable. Mm. So it's it's kind of like the, the equivalent of saying, you know, well, someone's possibly going to break into my house. Um, I'll get the locks changed, but I'll change it with exactly the same model lock and exactly the same number of tumblers and stuff as I had before and the same keys. And the same key. That's and the same brilliant. key. But I, cha- but I changed the lock. I totally changed the lock, Your Honour. <laughs> Um, really? Now, that number comes from a, uh, a survey done by Netcraft, who have been in the business for a very long time. They did a bit of an ongoing, or they've been doing an ongoing SSL survey studying uh, secure sites across the internet. So, you know, online banking, uh, web services, stuff like that. And uh, what was their verdict, Mark? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did that work? <laughs> you were Should so excited. Again? Wait, wait, wait. How does that work? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that sound of it. Sorry. We do have some toys. So, um, yeah, so oh, it's, it's we've basically... Got the, sorry, we've got the world's biggest toy. It's called the internet. We do have the world's biggest toy. It is called the internet. And, uh, and of course, it's with, with uh, big toys and great power comes great responsibility. So for any of those websites that have reused their compromised uh, certificates to change them, um, you may find that you will be changing your password on them again. Mm. Uh, whoops. Should we move on to budget, budgety things? Yes, that was obviously a big bit of news for the week. Yeah. Um, yes. First up, and most importantly for us, well, maybe not most importantly, but certainly most uh, dear to our hearts, yes. is that funding for community broadcasting did not go away. Yes. So, so there's a big pitch from the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia that's through right. all of the community broadcasters, including Joy, yes. to ask everyone to sign a to petition or uh, send an email to the um, the, uh, the Minister of Communication, mm-hmm. Malcolm Turnbull, to say, please don't cut community broadcasting funding. Yes. So the name of that campaign was Commit to Community Radio. And yes. you might have actually even heard a few announcements about that right here on Joy. Um, and it, it is okay. So thank you to everyone who wrote in or signed petitions or shared it on social media or, you know, texted into us and said, hey, that's not cool. Anything that you could have done to help um, really makes a world of difference to us. Yes. And that's one good news that's come out of the budget. It is. One good bit. There's a whole multitude of bad bits, right? (laughs) That's right. Oh, my God. So we've got uh, research funding is is the the first one, right? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag, as they say. so there, there are obviously uh, there's there's going to be plenty of research into medical mm. issues. So yes. plenty of funding, obviously that's that's a, a big thing in every budget, I suppose. Funded but. by a very controversial seven dollar GP co-payment, we yeah, might or a part of it. Yeah, um, is it dirty so money then? Does that make it dirty money? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've <laughs> I did see. Um, a, a particular politician, not of the uh, not of the government, who um, did a few back of the envelope calculations and reckons that he saw that only seventeen cents, I think it was, from every seven dollar co-payment is actually going to go to this fund. Which oh I really? Thought, wow. Which is not a lot, is it? No, I thought it was meant to be the whole seven dollars. Uh, uh, or, or are there admin fees that you have to take out of the seven dollars? I'm, I'm I'm sure everyone's got a little slice to take out on the way. There's a bit of noise from the um, the medical industry, in fact, from the you know the people who um, medical associations, I guess. That, that um, work in our in our country, and they're talking about the administrative costs associated to collecting seven dollars is that's quite right. high as well. That's right. I don't and know if that's what what it equates to. Actually, seventeen cents is is all that we get out of it in the end. But well, for the funding for the for that anyway. Of course, mm. it's not the only uh, source of funding for that. Um, there'll be the, so the future fellowship scheme, which is a way for mid career researchers to uh, to keep building their career and doing some research there. Um, the ANSTO, the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology, gets thirty one million over four years. Uh, 
not so lucky if you are involved in the CSIRO where they will be receiving $111 million funding cuts. Not so much fun. Um, the uh, Interestingly, ANSTO gets, uh, gets a cut in a different way, so interesting for different programs. Uh, the Institute for Marine Science gets cut. The Australian Research Council, which funds a lot of basic research, so a lot of you know academics that you may or may not know, if you know a lot of folks that go to uni, um, they'll be finding that some of those things disappear I, I as well. I heard that anything with the word green or renewable basically was, uh, you know, targeted. Mm. It's, um, there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Now, um, specific to technology, there's actually going to be um, a little bit of a cut to NICTA, which is the National ICT Research for Australia. Uh, it's done across several universities, including a couple of big ones here in Melbourne. And uh, their their role is to pursue, you know, things that are economically quite significant, but um, maybe not so... Uh, not so useful <laughs> to them in a couple of years. They will be out on their own. Yeah, NICTA's reasonably new. I think it was formed in 2002. Yeah, about then, I think. Yeah. Um, and they've done quite well, being able to commercialise some of uh, their projects. Yeah, but, but if this uh, funding or if this budget goes through, then after 2015 and 16, it'll be all funded, funded by, yeah. by the industry and not by the government. Mm. Um, it's almost like saying we'll privatise CSIRO, isn't it? Or the NBN. Oh. Oh, my goodness. But that's going to happen. I, who knows? Twen- no, the, uh, they're looking to raise private equity oh, from 2017 for 2018 for, for the NBN. Right. Now, um, so, yeah, Nicta and things like that will we'll have to do that sort of thing. Um Look, there's a lot of changes, especially if you do sort of study in that space, um, if you're in higher education right now or if you're uh, an academic. So I would definitely encourage you to text in and let us know what you think about that. Mm. Mm. Now, also, um, game development is is under threat as well here in Australia because of a, a, a funding amount that, that's uh, being mixed by the in the recent budget as well. Mm-hmm. We will have more about that after the break with Luke Miller, who is an indie game developer from right here in Melbourne. So don't go away here on Joy 94.9. 16 minutes past midday here on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Techno Gaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, technology, things that go beep, and gaming. Yes. Sometimes. Gaming. And now, yeah. It's a big, big one this week because uh, I guess, as far as technology is concerned, it's, it's one that hasn't really made the mainstream headlines. Um, but it's it's an important one, particularly for our sector. I think the IT sector here in Australia. That's right. Um, it's such a great opportunity, especially for for youngins looking mm. for employment. Now, the representative body for Australian uh, game developers, the Game Developers Association of Australia, has expressed disappointment and confusion at news that a new federal fund to foster growth in the local industry is no more. Mm. So it was reported. Yeah, they're 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 concerned that the Australian Interactive Games Fund, uh, which was established by the previous government. Just last year, in fact. Yes, um, that it's been abolished as part of this week's federal budget announcement. Mm. And uh, that means that $20 million that was originally intended to be put through to gaming, um, uh, the gaming industry is, uh, is no longer there. That's right. So uh, we have on the line uh, Luke Miller, who is an indie game developer based here in Melbourne. You may remember him from such games as Ex- My, My Ex-Boyfriend, The Space Tyrant. Mm. Um, are you there, Luke? Uh, yes, hello. Excellent. Good to, good to have you on again. It's, it's great to, to hear that uh, you're back in the country as well, I believe. You're, you've been travelling about... Yes, well, video games take you places. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Now, um, it's it's there's an, I guess there's an association with that uh, gaming, indeed gaming development is a cultural representation of, of where it comes from. Would you agree with that? Would you say? Uh, yes. Well, it's a very new field. I guess it's only thirty, forty years old. So compared to you know some of the other arts, it uh, doesn't have the kind of I guess cultural cachet to the general audience. Yep. And, that, you know, that, that really uh, is a bit of a disadvantage sometimes. Yeah. And I understand you yourself aren't directly uh, affected by this uh, particular decision by, by the federal government, but uh, I, I suspect you have some sort of thoughts on it, considering, you know, you've, you've looked at funding yourself in, into um, certain work that you've, you've, you've done in the past. Is that right? Uh, the Victorian government still funds. Uh, some computer games. Uh, the, the thing that was cut during the week was uh, sort of for larger c- 
companies and larger, uh, yeah, large companies. Hmm. Right. So it's, it's less effect on the smaller ones, but, uh, you know, it really sort of cuts off a lot of people at the knees. Okay, in this particular fund, it, it, it had some origins in, like it was um, just last year that it was actually established. So um, what is that, uh, where did that come from? What, what was the sort of impetus to, to create this fund in the first place, would you say? Well, it's really in Australia at the moment, it's a tale of two cities. So independent developer scene, you know, the smaller developers are, are kind of thriving and doing some very interesting things. But uh, mostly as a consequence of the Australian dollar going from 50 cents in the 90s to over a dollar US dollar in the 2000s, it really destroyed those sort of mid-tier and larger computer game companies, which are very dependent on work for hire. So doing, you know, Jurassic Park ports and things like that. Right. So this fund, which was set up uh, last year, was, is really aimed at getting those mid-sized companies making, you know, local intellectual property that can't just, you know, shift to Canada or shift to Eastern Europe. So it's, it's really quite disappointing. It was it's sort of about growing the industry to that next level, and so that's really what's been killed off here. Okay, so the, there's a bit of the history there is, is really around the, the dollar actually reaching parity, and there, there might be some association with uh, the economic times and mm. perhaps... Seeing Australia as a cheap, uh, cheap place for development now not so much... Yes, absolutely. So in the 90s, there was quite a thriving scene, and a lot of the larger companies, you know, Melbourne House is, was one of the largest computer games companies, uh, companies in Australia, and it got bought out by Atari. Right. And it uh, used to do a lot of those work-for-hire ports, but of course, once it became cheaper to go overseas, you know, the local industry was really left with nothing. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, this isn't the end of all funding, I guess. So, and and would, what would you say, I mean, around the, the gaming industry in general here in Australia, it's, it, it is quite a small sort of, um, you know, niche market, would you say? I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be particularly prominent. I mean, you, you know that um, big the, the big names like EA or, or um, you know, even um, Sega or those kinds of names, are they present here in Australia, would you say, or...? Well, Australia has a very sort of branch office mentality when it comes to computer games. It is a $2 billion industry in Australia, so it is actually quite a large market for games. But just as far as telling Australian stories with Australian voices, it's, it's almost non-existent. Like, um, I would struggle to name last time I played a game set in Australia, for example. Yeah, right. Mm. The, I mean, you've obviously sort of contributed to the cultural phenomenon to a degree with... Um, with your your game, the my ex boyfriend, the, the space tyrant, would you say that that sort of thing is is something that's Australia specific, or I mean, you've you've actually achieved funding from from uh, the Victorian government? You said yes for my next game, uh, Escape from Pleasure Planet. Ah. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd split the plug in. Yeah, it's just a case of uh, I feel if you're a, lo- a local developer, you need to make games that appeal to an international audience. Uh, so you don't have to you know, tell an American story or anything. But uh, I guess the commercial pressure is there to kind of not go too local. Yep. Mm. So the, the, this this funding, I mean, it, it would have a pretty big effect, though, on uh, the lack of funding would, would have a, a pretty big effect on where, where we're headed today with, with the gaming industry, would you say? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it's just, it's really about do Australians want Australian voices in the media they consume? And... Uh, You'd have to say that as of today, it's not really going to happen mm. uh, for, the forfe- for the foreseeable future. I think- I, th- I think as well, like some of the excitement uh, when that fund was announced originally back in 2012, um, there was a lot of, you know, sort of optimism from the industry going, well, maybe this will be a bit of a proof of concept, you know, this is this is the start of something and, and now mm. it's not likely to happen at all if there's well, no funding, it was, right? It was really well designed in that it was, you know, done with consultation with the whole industry and that's why it was aimed at that sort of middle to upper tier to try and take the industry to that next level. And so one of the things that's very disappointing about it being abolished is the lack of consultation because mm. it was a very long process to put it in place. And then it was just abolished with no warning whatsoever, uh, which, you know, and only half of it had been allocated. So it wasn't an end-of-life project. It was, a you know, middle of the process. Right. So, in fact, there was more money allocated, but as in the... So, as a whole, the $20 million that was allocated, only a certain amount had been spent... Yeah, my understanding is ten million had been spent, so there was still ten million to be allocated. Right. Uh, 
Mm. Australia's uh, well known. And, in oh, and it's, it's sorry, and it's not an easy process to apply for all this. It is a quite an involved process. So I do feel quite sorry for the people who are you know midway through that process. Yeah, yeah. it's quite expensive to do all the application work and everything. Yeah, Australia's well known in the film production area, and I guess this is now a lost opportunity for um, Australian companies to uh, shine in the games area. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, well, no. Screen Australia actually lost some of the funding at the same time as well mm. as part of this, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very exciting time in games, and it's just, you know, an absolute tragedy to see Australia missing the boat, as we so often do, it seems. Mm. Indeed. Well, thanks for your insight, uh, Luke. It's um, it's good to know from someone on the ground, I guess, in, in, in the sense of, you know, the, the gaming industry and someone who's, you know, doing everything you can to, to get your own work off the ground. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for coming in, or, well, being on the phone at least, to uh, to have a chat to us. Uh, my pleasure. Catch a catch a around soon. Bye. See ya. That was, of course, Luke Miller, who uh, we've had on the show before on uh, on Techno Gaze to talk through his his That's experiences right. in in developing games here in Australia. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's easy to sort of say, oh, geez, it's just about funding or whatever, but, you know, we've, we've, when we've talked to Luke, you can see just how much work goes into just promoting it and getting things off the ground and, you know, the mm. even even just a small amount of support for the industry um, is such a huge help, right? And I think this is really a missed opportunity because some people may look at gaming sales, just games, you know, it's not important. But it is an industry and it is a very large industry. And as you said, it's $2 billion in this country alone, let alone, you know, the rest of the world. Mm. And it is an opportunity for us from an economic perspective to, you know, to grow and to shine. And Australians are very, very good at being innovative. Yes. And yeah. uh, not we having are. this funding we're is... The, we're the clever country, yeah. aren't we, I think? We're supposed to be. <laughs> we were once. Sigh. <laughs> Indeed. This is Technogaze. Now, if you want to text us, text us as all or, or contact us while we're in the studio, you can do so by texting us 0427JOY949. If you've got any thoughts on the topics that we discuss, mm. you can also email us on air at joy.org.au. Shall we kick on with another topic or shall we... Uh, if take, we have time. Take a, we'll take a quick breather, perhaps. How about Why that? Why not? We'll, we'll come back with more. If you want robots on air, listen to someone else. Joy 94.9 is real voices, real radio. I am not a real robot. It's, <laughs> Are you a uh, fake robot? <laughs> it's 27 minutes past midday here on Joy 94.9. This is Technogaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, technology, gadgets, and spy planes. Yes. Spy planes. Spy planes from the 60s, even. How cool is this? So, uh, news about the U-2 spy plane, uh, which is kind of old news, I guess. Back I was in 1960, surprised there was, it was still flying. It, apparently so. So, um, back in the 1960s, that made huge news. Um, it's still in service, and uh, it seems that there was a bit of a drama with it flying a little bit too close uh, to commercial airspace. Well, mm. it wasn't flying too close, but the, but the flight control systems got a little confused. Oh. And didn't quite realise that it was as high as it was, and it was thinking that it was too close. Oh, I see. So, it tried to reroute aircraft around it and shut down airports and stuff like that. Wow. So, it, it actually affected 200 flights around uh, LAX and other airports in California, which um, I'm sure if you know much about the area, you know, is a really busy part yes. of the world for planes. LAX would be a massive if, if the whole place got... Shows down like I no, oh. that it's really designed as an airport to be. You know, you you enter the gate and you're out as soon as possible. Like there's not much space in that in those sort of in in the. Uh, Is that why they have lousy shops there? So you don't linger too long. <laughs> you don't long. stay too long. <laughs> what shops? I don't. I don't know. But yeah, no, that's that's um. Uh, a bit scary. A little yeah. software patch fixed the issue, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> but uh, I guess I guess that was. I mean, it was a bit of excitement uh, just to hear that it was still a thing anyway. The old U two. Um, yeah, is that is that what the the band is named I, after? I, I wonder. <laughs> um, it's a three. It probably is actually. <laughs> now, look, looking a little bit lower, slightly lower altitude, the uh, bebop drone is on on its way to the market. Ooh. Developed by a company called Parrot, and uh, it's remote controlled. They're from France, that company, and it's got an ultralight body and a 14 megapixel fisheye camera. That's not bad. That's pretty cool. You'd be able to get some pretty amazing pics mm. out of that. And it's really quiet. It's a little bit louder than a sort of a, a buzzing bee. 
Mm-hmm. So a little bit more stealthy than a U2 maybe. <laughs> Mm. Um, it's, it's interesting because it looks like the technology is quite similar to their previous um, product, the AR drone. Yes. Um, it's by the same company. And um, they've, they've continued with the Wi-Fi um, connectivity. So these, these, these um, drones actually have their own Wi-Fi hotspot built into, the, into right. the device itself. So if you have a tablet or a phone, you can probably just well, you use connect, that, you, right? that's Yeah, that's exactly it. So you connect to the Wi-Fi access point that is built into the thing. And that's the controller. You use the phone as the controller. You don't need a dedicated controller to uh, mm. fly these things. That would chew up a bit of battery, wouldn't it? It does. How mm. much battery? A lot. All it, the battery. Well, I don't know if they... Does, is there inf- any information... Oh, they, 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 suggest, they suggest that it'll only stay upright, for, uh, up in the air rather, for about 12 minutes which when, is, when you're using it, flying it around, streaming all that video that it's taking and Which stuff. is, okay, maybe as a restriction, but they also boost that they've got this Wi-Fi extender that can, you know, you can allow it to go up to two kilometres. So, so two <laughs> kilometres... You can't and, get it back. And, and 12 minutes... Um, it could probably fly that minutes. far. Yeah, and then how do you get back? My biggest problem with using these types of devices is actually the, the life of the, the battery. You're constantly concerned that the battery is going to die before, yeah. before you're you ready get it back for it to... Yeah. Two kilometre it, it should have an emergency fly to home, so when it detects that it's only got enough time to fly home, it just heads home regardless. Well, again, in my experience, and this is a previous, the previous mm. product... Um, the battery life is quite haphazard in the same way as sometimes your phone is kind right, of Right, so sometimes weird it thinks about, it's empty, but it's not really. Yeah. So 95% mm. lasts for, yeah, three milliseconds. It's about how, how well you trust that, that figure. Now, now, here's one more exciting bit of news about it. I was going to talk about oh, that. Oh, no, you, you share yeah, the because, exciting because, news. Because when I saw this, I thought, mm, I want this. You can use your Oculus Rift as part of the controller. That's so cool. Ooh. So we're talking about an Oculus Rift that sits on top of your head. It's like a, v, a virtual reality. Yeah, the mm. goggles that right. fully immerse you and you can just see what's in. And if you tilt your head to the left, the drone will fly left. If you tilt right, it will wow. fly right. That's yeah. amazing. That would be a very immersive experience. Like, I mean, it was quite quite fun to, to have a mounted camera display on your on your iPad or, or you know, a, a That's already a pretty cool. Yeah, but then to just simply move your head, like, wow. Yes. That's so amazing. Now all we need is the real-life guns on it and we're fine. Well, <laughs> since, since you mentioned real-life guns and things like that, with the Oculus Rift, that was the other bit of news about the uh, the Oculus yeah. Rift is that um, the Norwegian Army is thinking about sticking some cameras on their tanks, on some of their armored vehicles rather. And um, if you are a operator of one of those tanks, is you can use the Oculus Rift to see what's going through the cameras, so you can close up all your hatches and get loads and loads of visibility that way. Which makes sense because usually in armoured vehicles the visibility is really bad, especially with the hatches closed. You, yeah. I think you just have like a narrow slit so you, you, know, you don't get much, shot. And, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to have too many huge windows open on that thing. So um, so all they need to do to uh, to have a look around the vehicle is just to um, twist their head around and uh, they've got a little PC just sort of helps flatten the, uh, the fisheye effect of the cameras there so that right. it seems a little bit more natural. Mm. Um, and uh, and yeah, it sounds pretty exciting. I wouldn't mind one for a car, to be honest. Actually, I wonder. I wonder if something like that's going to boost the number of volunteers into the you know the tank division. I want to be a tank driver. Well, isn't that part of? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know about Norway, but um, I know that there are some uh, some armies or some armed forces from some countries use gaming as a bit of a you know like a bit of an experience tool for, you know, kids. It's like, oh, you know, do you want to know what it's actually like? You know, mm. it's not all Call of Duty and uh, and Hello Kitty. It's, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> I don't know. But it's, it's you it's know... Part actually... of their training courses, like, Hello Kitty. <laughs> it's like how to make friends with the uh, the w- weird culture that you're in. Here I was actually go. thinking Kitty as in as in children, like, um, oh. as in not like, you know, games targeted, not Hello Kitty. That would be, oh, Hello Kitty and Camo. <laughs> Get on that. I'm about to fall um, off my chair again. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it's it's not that sort of thing. So they're not like thinking about you know recreational games, but they're actually using mm. a gaming experience as a training thing. And there's quite, there's actually quite a lot of you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of flight simulation and stuff like that that yep. happens, you know, like that anyway. Um, apparently Suzuki got amongst it as well with the Oculus Rift recently. Isn't that true? Or? They're using it in what automotive shows and and and. Uh, Showing how you can experience the, the car experience without actually being in the car. 
That's an interesting way to sell a vehicle. Hmm. I wonder if, like, do they have ca- that new car smell thing? Do they have, like, that <gasps> sort of... The vapour release? Smell-o-vision. <laughs> if that isn't part of the Oculus Rift... Um, it needs to it be, It needs right. to be. Call us. <laughs> call us Facebook since they bought it. Call us. Call us Zuckerberg. We've got <laughs> lots of ideas how to fix the Oculus Rift, <laughs> how to make it better. And, uh, and speaking of things that you stick on your head, I'm full of the segues oh, yes. today. Um, Google's Glass update... Um, has so Google Glass went on sale for one week? Oh, sorry, one day this week rather. Mm. Just once. Was Just it this week? week? Was no, it last actually, week? it wasn't. It wasn't this week. It wasn't last week. It was a few weeks ago. Oh, so, well, I definitely missed yeah. it more. So Google had their Explorer program where you had to apply, and limited people got in. But yes. they opened it up a couple of weeks ago to the general public, and for twenty four hours, if you're in the US, you could buy for the princely sum of fifteen hundred dollars Google Glass. And as part of this, they also released a new update to their firmware, mm-hmm. which happened to nix some um, video calls. Oh. Which you would think is, is a pretty big part. Like, to be having video calls is kind of cool, right? Mm. Like, that ability is, is pretty nifty. And uh, to have that in your eye, essentially. <laughs> like, right in your face. Right in your face. Um, is, is a pretty... Mm, good feature to have, right? Like yeah, but oh, their explorers didn't really use it. About 10% of the explorer users used video calls, and it was basically put down to not having a good experience with it. Oh, okay. So I can, I can almost understand that, because the video is not of yourself, it's of the person that you're looking at. Yes. So it's not really a video call, it's more or, or of a, this thing, is what I'm seeing. The thing that you're doing mm. as well, well which... Yeah. yeah. I, it, it doesn't seem overly surprising that it wouldn't get used as much, but, I mean, it's such an early day for that anyway that it could come back. I'm sure it will once they sort of do something that people S- use. Yeah, somehow. Interesting yeah. That, that Google are, are picking, you know, ticking off the things that, that aren't actually a, a good experience, so they're really focusing on the user experience with this product, and I guess that will, if they get it right, will add to the longevity of... of, of um, of Google Glass. Yeah, well, you don't want to release something that doesn't work all that well. Now, the other good news, if you consider it good news, is that anybody in the US can now buy Google Glass. Wow. Open for general sale. I actually, and, uh, you know, there's some pretty geeky people around Melbourne, but I actually came across, and it was not last week, the week before, a, a dude who, who had a had a Google Glass on. <gasps> now, these dudes like, have got special oh, names. How did you, they do that, that we don't always... My immediate reaction was, oh, my God, I've just been... I, I tweeted this too, yeah. by the way, but, oh, my God, I've just been recognised by Google, Google's facial recognition and location aware and all that sort of thing. Cause it's all I'm, happening now. I'm paranoid about that sort of thing, but... Um, the, the drones are on their way, Mark. That's right, with their guns <laughs> and so forth. Um, I'd be more worried about somebody wearing an Oculus Rift walking down the road <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> I wonder what, what sort of application it could have. You could be walking down the street and have certain functions available to represent people in certain ways. You could, certain you know. common apps known to, okay. you know, if you've, if you've got... Look, this person's on Instagram. Bloop. Yeah, other apps. <laughs> <laughs> that where, was where, my where, representation. Where's your, where's your sound effect? <laughs> I, I wonder if I can maybe open it up. No, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't solicit that. If you want to find me on uh, Grinder, <laughs> goodness <laughs> no, me, let's not try that. Now, one thing I did want to say about Google Glass: fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money, mm. especially when For it's a estimated. Face yeah, especially when it's estimated it only costs one hundred and fifty dollars to build. That was the other bit of news from last month, wasn't it? There was a bit of a bit of a tear down of, of all the bits and pieces that make up the Google Glass. Mm, right. Actually, pretty cheap. Wow. Relatively, like for what it is, it's not a bad markup. One hundred and fifty to fifteen hundred dollars. It's, it's an extremely good markup. They're doing an Apple, but no, like I, I, times I, it by a hundred. You know, it's like, I think what they're saying is, yes, we'll allow anybody to have it, but we're really going to discourage sales by making only really, really keen people who want to get it get hold of it until we're ready, and then we'll lower uh, the price. Yeah, but then what happens when they do lower the price, and the people who bought it for fifteen hundred dollars and probably a lesser, you know, version of it that's that's not quite as powerful or, or whatever, may not have the uh, the the video call function, for example. You know, it's really going to annoy those those early adopters if if it comes down to an actual reasonable price. Well, like, it will, but 
I can't see them moving much of this product at fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a fortune. Like I'm, I'm keen to play with it, but I don't know if I'd play with it at fifteen hundred. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's an, an amount of, um, you know, it's it's a really elitist sort of thing. I think as well. Mm. Like it's, you know, yeah, we only want people who are keen and who can afford it. Yeah. You know, and there is this. You know, the, the people that do describe using it. Um, there's been some blog posts about that. Certain news people over in the in the US, uh, journalists who who are in the IT sector, uh, they they comment that actually they're kind of derided for for using mm. the. The, the Google Glass for you know they're kind of considered sort of outcasts in a sense that mm. oh you're one of those you know kind of kind of yeah thing. and we've we've talked about this in the past on the show with you know people getting asked to leave venues and all sorts of things and you know just the general sort of hate around around that kind of Google seeing everything yeah from everyone's perspective which, which is weird because you know people record things with their phones surreptitiously here you've got a device that's out in the public mm. a little light comes on when you're recording something so if anything it's, it's more transparent rather than uh. less it's that expectation though that you are happy to be subject to the whim of somebody who just goes oh, okay glass take a photo you know whenever they want yeah. yeah. At least by taking out your phone, you've got that nice social cue. There is someone saying, "Oh, are you about to take a photo?" Oh. Yeah. I don't know. There's uh, there's a text from uh, from listener Daryl who says it's a now it's a new theme on being glassed. <laughs> I think I prefer this than than the other sense of being glassed, which of course means yes. uh, an assault. So, um, good point, Daryl. I like it. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, as as a spectacles wearer, I don't think I'm going to be spending any time thinking about glass. Um, until it becomes more compatible. Have we got time for one more little thing? Mm. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, MIT is about to become the world's first Bitcoin economy. They are going to issue a whole bunch of undergraduates with $100 worth of Bitcoin. Right. They're going to be setting up local stores to accept Bitcoin, and then they're going to be studying how that works, ah. which is really cool. I, I know I've bagged Bitcoin in the past because it's kind of like internet funny money that you use to buy drugs and questionable pictures of things but <laughs> but with this what they're actually doing is using it as a as a genuine you know currency in a in a fairly easily and studyable legitimate economy it sounds like it's a, a a research project of sorts to understand how that's right how it might be used in a broader context and the, and the good thing is it's a whole community of people using it so it's not like it's just you know one person sporadically doing it. it's everybody going to be using it and seeing which bits work and what doesn't work and what needs to change yeah and the other thing that i think is going to be really interesting coming out of it is that at the moment a lot of the thought about bitcoin as in a lot of the stuff that you read about it is coming from you know folks on the internet that are like oh sweet i can buy my you know my little pony merchandise with it or whatever you know there's a certain sort of subset of dudes on reddit my hello kitty <laughs> hello kitty i was wondering if you're going to mention the word reddit <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it yeah, is. It is that sort of thing, though. Like it's a very internet-y sort of, you know. Um, yeah. That kind of thing, but to actually give it some some academic legitimacy means that we might actually see some thoughts other than you know. Oh my god! On Reddit, I can do this. Yeah, I can make lots of money on people there. who get excited about Ayn Rand or whatever. Like it's mm. you know, there's actually going to be some some uh, academic rigour to it, which I'm really excited yeah, about. and they're hoping to see new things like, you know, different ways to, pa- to split a bill perhaps in a restaurant using Bitcoin. Yep. I mean, that's, that's what it's supposed to be good at, right? Mm. And, and if, uh, you know, if, if it can sort of do that, then that would be really great. Yeah, so um, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from this uh, Bitcoin project. Mm-hmm. We've also just had a message from Anna. Thank you, Anna. You've emailed in. Um, Making the comment that uh, she's disappointed about the game's funding uh, being removed from the, the federal government. Mm. Uh, federal budget, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> it is very disappointing. Um, and she says she's had a go at, go at Google Glass uh, and is uh, found it really underwhelmed. Mm. Whelming, sorry, I should say. It wasn't um, you walking down the street, was it, Anna? Mm. Checking out, checking out what's going on. Did Mark see you? Could <laughs> just, it have been that? Just go review your footage and see if Mark was in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And send it in. I'd like to see what my facial expression looked like when <laughs> when I saw it. <laughs> this is Techno Gaze here on Joy ninety four point nine. We'll be sixteen back with, minutes to one, and we'll be back with more in a few moments. Techno Gaze. It's still 16 minutes to one here on Joy 94.9 where you're listening to Technogaze where we are checking out all the latest and greatest in technology news. I'm Rainer. There's also Mark and Michael. Time has stood still. It has. Well, it was mm. a really quick break. What else is news? What's happening? The, 
The tablets uh, industry is, is sort of uh, had a, made a, a few headlines this week. It still won't go away. Oh, apparently. And we're not talking about tablets that you take. No. Which I have done this morning, I have to cold say. Cold it's cold. But, no, no we're talking no, about... the other kind that the, you fondle. The, I'm sorry? That you fondle. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. One, one, one strokes a tablet, don't you? As oh, you run stroke, your finger along sorry. the top of it. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of the app that we were talking about earlier before the show. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Right. But should we mention it on air? No, we shouldn't. <laughs> now, uh, this, of course, is about the, uh, the iPad, uh, which is obviously one of the most popular tablets getting around at the moment. Um, other platforms, so the mm. Windows uh, Portable and also Android have side-by-side applications, so you can run two apps once on the one screen, mm. um, which you are not yet able to do on the iPad, but uh, I think Apple is a little bit keen to get that sorted pretty soon. Mm. So there's been criticism, hasn't there, or when, when, particularly when Android came out with its ability to do that, that was like, oh, isn't that awesome how you can have your email next to a Word document or, or whatever, or uh, yeah. not Word, but a document yeah. that you might be and writing? If, if you're into fanboy and fangirl fights on the internet <laughs> about, about your favourite platform, if you're one of those sorts of platform warriors. That's one of the big things. Oh, I can do this with my... Yep, yep, yep. So, um, look, iOS still doesn't really genuinely do multitasking the way that some other platforms do. So, um, it's it's. I guess it's been a bit of a struggle, but what's happening now? Mm. June. June. June well, is June, yeah, for the iOS um, 8 announcement is expected. That's what they're expecting, yeah. of course. You never know because uh, Apple are very... You know. Notoriously secretive. But, so what, what amazes me is the typical um, let's backflip on our marketing speak from five, four or five years ago when we <laughs> announced full screen apps because you know they're so much better, there's no distraction, blah, 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 when it's only a compensation because the technology doesn't allow it. And now it's like, oh, yes, we'll change our minds. Wow. They're, 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 it's almost like they're a politician. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, not that I'm ever guilty of anything like that changing my not mind. Not that I can think of a specific politician. <laughs> Um, but now, it looks like Apple's uh, thinking about doing that for Worldwide Developer Conference, which, by the way, was so popular that you had to be in a in a raffle. Oh wow! Or a lottery to so, rather to get tickets to that. So because yeah, in the past they've they've just released like a you know said here you go go yep. go for your life with tickets yep. and they're like sold out within minutes. Yeah, quick, quicker when, than a Miley Cyrus. Concert. We're talking pretty cheap too. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, probably, it's pretty expensive, I should say. Yeah. It's like you know in the thousands of dollars yeah. range. Yeah, huge it, experience. I've never been, but. It, it puts you in front of people with, uh, you know, from Apple. You're actually talking to and um, and, and other hearing developers, from. importantly yeah. as well. So Would they let me in with my Android phone? I think it depends if you got a ticket in this lottery. That's the thing. Mm. Um, you can what, try showing it off. One of the qualifiers, maybe. <laughs> Only Apple devices. Pick yourself up a, a Google Glass and just sort of wander around and look like you belong. That's what I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so put a little Apple logo on it. That'll be interesting. Mm. Now, there's been uh, one of the uh, on the rumours front, anyway, one of the telling signs of a new product coming out from Apple is mm. log files coming through to websites that indicate certain, it out. certain new features. For example, um, there's been some noted uh, bigger screen sizes from iPhones. That's right. No. So really? The, uh, the resolution of 960 by 1740 pixels, is it? A 1704, actually. It's a very... Really? Sp- That's yes. awkward. I, I read that I was like, that is kind of... I wonder what made them choose that 1704. But um, that's um, compared to the current uh, pixel size of 640 by... On, on, the, on the skinny side? Yes, on yeah. the skinny side. So it's... Hmm. Um, it's interesting because there's also been some analysis of, or not analysis, but rumours coming out of the manufacturing side of, uh, of um, you know, Apple's um, uh, that's right. full ecosystem. And certain people are saying that uh, the screen sizes are actually going to be bigger. So we're talking about actual screen size being bigger and more pixels as a result of that. Mm. Now, the other, the other absolutely telling thing about screen sizes... Um with that is often that um, people will start developing cases because, of course, it's one of the first things you want to buy when you get your phone is you want to get a new case. And the case, uh, there's a bunch of rumours that would seem to support that because the cases that people are coming up. Mm. One interesting thing about that pixel size, I think that's a 16-9 ratio. Ah. Oh, as in actual widescreen like yes, the telly. Yes, which is different to... Um, that's th- right. What there is now, so that would be mm, interesting. 
there's been a lot of talk as well, and I don't know, I don't know if this will actually happen about um, Apple purchasing Beats by Dr. Dre. Uh, yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that. Yes, I think that's more than a rumor. I think that's. It sounds pretty exciting. Is it more than a rumor? I believe so. But I'm so out of touch with the whole audio thing. The trouble is, you read a number of articles and you you lose track of when it's rumor or true. I know it's all being bombarded right in. So mm. um, the that that rumor is that it would be worth 3.2 billion dollars to uh, to them, mm. which I think is the biggest acquisition that uh, Apple's made so far. Mm-hmm. And possibly not just about the headphones either. So of course there are. Um, they are very things that come with that whole. Mm. I was going to say they're they're very cash rich, aren't they? At the moment, yeah, they've been sitting on a lot of cash for a long time. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's they've got money to spend, but what do they spend it on? Yeah. Right. What a dreadful position to be in! <laughs> I know. What am I going to buy? That's actually an established brand, though, right? Like it's 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 doesn't seem to be innovative or or new for. But they Apple. have that streaming media thing, so they have a oh. service that comes with it. So I don't know if they're maybe trying to buy out some competition, or maybe they're trying to get a nice brand because everyone knows that Apple's earbuds are um, a bit, uh-uh. mm. or something. I don't know. I mean, the whole rumor about um, that is interesting, but there's been a lot of audio files going. But that sucks because they don't think that Beats are all that good. I've right. never actually owned a pair myself to find out. But Compared to what their Apple standard earbuds that they get from? It's not a high bar to follow, mm. you know. That in any way, pretty oh, interesting. That, that was sold so well, though. Yeah. So, now, there's also some uh, some rumours that there might even be another size for the iPhone 6, so you might be able to get a, a biggie and a littley. Ah. That the uh, release dates might be September, might be the holidays, might mm. be both. Um, that maybe the camera won't get any better. The camera's <laughs> never really been a, I've, a high point of <laughs> compared to some of the other phones. I've been thinking about buying an iPhone. What? <laughs> what? Oh what? What? <laughs> Just to see what it's like. Interesting. Oh, just to see what it's like. This is a throwaway device, right? If only we were all on that uh, kind of money. Yeah. I'll, now, have to, I'll have to sell something to finance it, though. Twitter news this week. Yes. Twitter is talking about getting a mute button, as in a... Mute a button. Mute, as in if there are certain people that like to tweet about certain shows at certain times of the week and you haven't yet watched that show... Particularly you can, European um, <laughs> competition. European, <laughs> European competitions Music of show. song. So does that mean you can set up automatic mute rules if, if the tweet consists of the following, please mute? Well, this is, this is annoying. No, it's not. It's oh. a user. So um, I can say, you know what, Michael, your incessant... <laughs> Carrying on about your phone is is annoying me, so I'm just going to mute you for like I don't know a week or whatever, and then maybe remember to unmute you, which I think is a little bit. It's I don't know. Not the same as just unfollowing someone, though, right? Yeah, like, but without why? actually unfollowing them, because then you don't have the drama of somebody going, "Where did you unfollow uh, me?" And the other thing oh, is, goodness. the person that you mute still gets your tweets. Ah, so as far as they're they concerned, they could do that even if they followed you and you didn't follow them. I just don't see the point. Like, you can unfollow them and refollow them, but I suppose then you've still got that drama. But I would have thought that a topic, Mm. like like muting everything that contains the word Eurovision um, for the whole weekend so that you don't get spoiled, would have been great because I don't have time to go through... I mean, I follow lots of people. I don't have time to go through every single timeline and go, I I suspect this person might watch Eurovision. Therefore, Therefore, I should mute them. Maybe they're not, but who can... It just seems a bit... And they're probably the people you want to talk to anyway. Like I know. I know. Well, I'd, I'd, I so you like my idea? Mute by rules. Well, mute by rules is already in some of the non-official clients that you can get. So there are. You allowed to of, use those still? Yeah, Twitter, yeah, yeah. So there is there are a couple that are not necessarily um, developed by Twitter, but I guess if they're not banned, then they're still okay to use. But they they have it built right into the client, so you can say, I don't want to hear about Budget 2014 for the next 200 years. <laughs> And, uh, and and you can do it by hashtag yep. or you can do it by keyword or whatever. And then it just means that anyone who says anything about it, their tweet just doesn't appear. Now, that doesn't work, obviously, if you log into the website or mm. use the official client or anything. Mm. But, yeah, I just I just can't see how it would be as useful as a topic. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, not, you know, worthwhile trying out. Why not? Mm. It's, mm. It's probably falls in line with their, their corporate strategy to monetize everything, I suspect, as well. Like yeah. It just seems everything that Twitter do, are doing these days are to try and um, you know, extract more information about us or That's you know, right. make us more uh, well, easier to sell to, to, um, to <laughs> c- 
Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. If they were to implement a, uh, a thing that blocks topics, then what's to block? What's to prevent me from blocking, you know, sponsors' names or something like that? Mm, like heaven true. forbid that I shouldn't be able to see somebody's sponsored tweets. Oh dear! <laughs> Sorry, I just got distracted by Gary Wilson going into the news studio, <laughs> and he, he was um, blowing us kisses, blowing us kisses, and doing a royal wave as as one does when one does the news. <laughs> he will be coming up at uh, at one o'clock. Yes, it is five minutes to one. It is almost here, time to. So it's not far to wrap up, but uh, we'll do that in just a few moments. This is Techno Gaze on Joy ninety four point nine. A little less straight than other radio stations. Joy 94.9. That's right, it's Joy 94.9 where it is four minutes to one here on Techno Gaze um, with Mark, Michael and Raina. What's happening? Coming to the end of the show, isn't it? It is. It's, um, as always, we never have enough time to talk about all the things that we want to talk about. There's just so much stuff happening. It goes too quickly. It really does. We do, uh, I want to make a shout out to, um... To Dean Beck, who's actually suggested, I guess based on some of the comments we've made... Although that we do a naughty adults-only techno case. <laughs> we did. Michael, I think you and I got on to... Uh, uh, like, like, like ducks to water. That's exactly right, <laughs> but definitely worthwhile. And uh, we've had another message as well. Dave, thinking of replacing mum's dial-up internet, iPad, laptop, given she has SD camera, etc., Sounds like a good idea to me. Dial-up internet is... Um, I'd never go back. No, it's... Um, never go back. If you can even just get 3G or 4G, it'd be a good, good way forward. Mm. That's right. Mm. What have we got to uh, finish up with? This is a great bit of news, and uh, it was reported on the register in a couple of other places. Um, Matt Godbolt, who is a developer who works in uh, in the securities trading sort of industry, has, on his spare time, rebuilt a... Acorn BBC Micro. That's a blast from the past. That is absolutely a blast from the past. Probably it depends on on which past as well. Like Michael, I I don't know. I don't know if you would. Uh, that was new technology for me. That was yeah. This is not your school vintage, but the BBC Micro was a uh, was the school computer where I grew up, yes. and we all had you know a, a few of them floating around schools and everything. This emulator reproduces the BBC Micro, and uh, and it means that you can play classic games like Repton and Elite, which we used to waste time on when we were pretending that we were doing educational games. Doing real work. <laughs> That's right. It's it's huge. And uh, so he's got a, a bunch of blog things, um, or a blog posts about that. So if you go to bbc.godbolt.org, you can check that out and uh, and have a bit of a blast from your past. Bit nostalgic. Why not? So nostalgic. Even the little beeps are there. It's just amazing. <laughs> Sounds great. It made me feel a little bit old as well. <laughs> Those are the days, you guys. Uh, can you stop complaining about feeling old? <laughs> I feel like a dinosaur. Jeez. Now, that is, I'm afraid, all we have time for today if you missed any part of the show. Or perhaps you're planning to peruse previous episodes. You can do so by browsing to our website, joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming up next is a Joy News Bulletin with Gary, followed by a very special cravings with the nudie foodie, Pete Dillon. Um, thank you for joining us, Mark. No worries. In, your, in your state of... My, Dis- disrepair on your throat? My voice has gotten better as, a, as the day goes on, or as a, the show goes on. Indeed. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, thanks also to Luke Miller for joining us earlier on the phone as well. If you're still listening, Luke, uh, we really do appreciate it. It's one minute to one coming up. Is that news bulletin there with Gary? Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Have a great week, uh, week weekend and week, everybody here. It's Joy 94.9. Be myself into the Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.